And we welcome you into the best podcast available Tuesday, June the 2nd, 2020, officially into the month of June. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble and uh, going to go through some of the headlines uh, taking taking the NFL by storm. But uh, unfortunately, a, a tough weekend for our city, for our state and our country and uh just kind of it sucked this weekend it was devastating to see what was going on especially in the downtown cleveland community and, and all across the country uh, a lot of pain a lot of anger uh, a sad and scary time and you know there there is no place for racism but we got to find a way to be decent to one another and, and to respect one another and um just uh, a, a rough weekend and uh, a tough start to the work week uh, as we get things rolling here, Gribbs. Yeah, let's just let's hope we're on the the path to, to healing. And I, I imagine this is not going to be a, a quick process. These things uh, never are. But you know, we 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 just as a country, as 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 a city, let I, I just hope we can can get through this. And I I, I think that there's it's pretty nuanced in that I understand the, the anger, the frustration. Uh, I'll never truly fully, uh, because I've never experienced, you know, the, the anger and the frustration that uh, I know African-American people feel uh, during this time. It's just, it's, it's tough. Uh, so I, I just, I hope we're on the path to, to move in, uh, in a, in a better direction and, and hopefully uh, things quiet down a little bit, but, but maybe some more action in terms of, uh, policies, things like that can, can kind of start moving in the right direction for this country. We are back in the building, not uh, Gribble, not myself. Uh, Jeff McDaniel, who's producing this podcast, is back in the building. Uh, Want to shout out University Hospitals for all of their hard work. Uh, a lot of meetings with a lot of people that make a lot more money than Gribble and I. Uh, coming up with a game plan to get us back up and running. Uh, a lot of NFL facilities around the league starting to open up this week. Limited, but it is a good sign to see as we get into June. And really, the countdown is on to the start of training camp and the 2020 NFL season. But shout out to University Hospitals, Gribs, uh, and the first batch of teammates of ours are back in the building. No coaches, no players, but uh, you know, working our way towards that here in 2020. Yeah, step in the right direction. Uh, I think it's it's it, it's hard to believe. It's one of those things where it's like I can't believe it's been more than two months since we've been out of the office, but I also can't believe it's only been two months because I feel like this has just been the way of life now for. God, I, I mean, the combine feels like it was five years ago. I mean that that was maybe our for all of us. I was talking to Paul Taylor about this kind of the the last maybe feelings of normalcy where we were. Indianapolis in crowded restaurants, you know, in all those kind of situations. And you came home here and, and things really started to escalate. So uh, it's one slow movement back to normalcy. And I think that that might not have been what we all expected a couple months ago when we were told to leave the office that, you know, we all thought, oh, we will just all come back on a certain day. Like, no, this is, this is a process and it's going to be a process for uh, a, a long time. But uh, hopefully, everything goes well and, and more of us can be there and ultimately get to a point where uh, the vast majority of us are, are back to work and, and feeling like uh, our normal selves again. Yeah. 
Uh, let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. Uh, a couple rule updates. Last week we talked about it. They were going in for a vote. The owners were getting ready to vote on a number of things. Uh, it was interesting because, you know, with a lot of our podcast, we pre-tape certain uh, segments. <laughs> and we pre-taped a segment that changed probably two or three different times before finally going for a vote. And that was the sky judge. Do they not have it? Do they have it? And ultimately uh, the test run will come in the preseason regular season to be determined, but uh, the owner's still not buying in on the sky judge fully. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I got the, the full explanation on that. Maybe it's just, is it just too short of a window to maybe implement such a, a dramatic change to the game? I mean, this is of all the off seasons, maybe you're, maybe not trying to rock the boat as much <laughs> like this off season when, when things are just not normal uh, to begin with. But I, I do think it's, it'll be good that, that it gets test run here. I, I think that uh, it's just, we, we've all been there in the preseason though, Gibbs. I mean, the, the gravity is just not there. So I, I just wonder how you're going to get really a, a fair read on the magnitude of some of the decisions in a situation where no one cares what's going to happen uh, if one call goes one way or the other, I, I think that's that's where it can be it can be helpful that you're testing it out in the preseason. But also, I, I think with anything, your real test is going to be when the game's on the line and, and you're going to to a situation where that judge is making a decision. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't know what kind of reading or what kind of feel you get for a sky judge. <laughs> when the game already in the second quarter doesn't matter. Forget about, like, the fourth preseason game. I think the big thing might be the timing. Like, how do you work the judge in without slowing the game? Maybe that's that's where you test this out in the preseason. And part of me wonders, maybe they should have just tested out this pass interference rule in the preseason uh, and not kept it going into the regular season. Maybe this could be the step in the direction where let's make the preseason as weird as possible. Let's try out a bunch of different things, see what sticks. See what see what maybe can work for the next year. Uh, so maybe this could this this could be the start of us testing out something new every year in the preseason. Might that might spice it up a little bit more. Uh, the NFL did not approve the proposal to add an alternative to the onside kick for a scoring team to retain possession of the football. Uh, that would have been the fourth and fifteen play from the twenty-five yard line in lieu of the onside kick, and they could do it up to twice a game. However, the rule did not achieve the seventy-five percent approval margin required to go into effect. It did get a fifty-fifty split, so there's a little bit of traction there. I don't think it's totally dead going forward, but uh, for this season, it will not be in play. Yeah, and I, I think as we indicated last week, this doesn't surprise me because I think that this is it, it would have been fun. And I just think it, but it just doesn't, it just seems very opposite of the way the NFL moves with certain things. I just think that I, I would foresee a much more incremental step into really, instead of really jazzing things up with this kind of rule change. So I, I think I'm a little disappointed that we're not seeing this, but this would be another rule I'd love to see in the preseason. Like this, this, I don't know why you can't test this out, see how it goes a great point. in the preseason and, and, and see what kind of success you have with teams doing it or not. But, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see once they go through another season, though, of these onside kicks being just so anticlimactic. I mean, it, and I, I think they're going to still need to figure out a way to make those better because it went from one of the most thrilling plays of the game to one of the least. It, it's now almost on the same level of the old extra point. 
I mean, you know the end result of these things. Yeah, no question. One rule that did pass that a lot of people weren't talking about mm -hmm. um, was the expansion of the number of players who can return from injured reserve during a season. Number has increased from two to three for 2020. However, it appears that this is still only applicable to players placed on IR after being on the active 53-man roster following final cuts. But two to three is big. I mean, last year, the last couple of years, the Browns have added some decisions to make. They've had more than the two guys. And three would, would have helped them a little bit. Yeah, I like it. You know, I, I think that it's one of those case by case, year by year, you might not need it but there are certain years where you could use it a few times. And I think that it's weird because ultimately when you make one person's decision, you find out the status of another player because you can't use that decision again. So I, I'm all for more opportunities of getting guys back on the field at, and not having to worry about a lot of roster gymnastics that ultimately just hinders the product on field. I think if a guy wants to play, he's ready to play. Uh, I, I think you should, should accommodate and, and try to get those guys back. And I think that, it, it's I think three is probably enough I can't imagine I mean maybe you would need four in a year but th three seems good and, and, and in a position where I mean we're we're just a couple years removed right from this just being one so I think this is a, a lot of progress to get this back up to three and, and I think teams uh, will appreciate that yeah I think that with the with the boosted roster numbers uh, two positive things that come out of the CBA passing and the uh, the rules adjustment uh, I think GMs, coaches, uh, this this will help their teams. And it also makes the case for that 17th game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, anything to, to, to pad that, that, that argument. I think there, there's a lot more un understandable roster flexibility decisions that will go into it. And I think that's good. I think you make it as, as, as flexible as possible, ultimately, uh, to, to not only – uh, incentivize teams from using the injured reserve, but it, it, create, it creates more opportunities for other players uh, to get on the roster, make the rosters bigger. I, I'm, I'm fine with all that. I think there's more opportunities out there for, for some of these bottom roster guys. And uh, I'm all for getting guys in the league and getting experience that way. All right. The other, uh, as we move on here, the rules done and we'll see how things play out. Peter King on his football morning in America article out every Monday, keep thinking it's MMQB. It's not MMQB. It's Football Morning in America. Uh, it, his, his direct words, not mine, today I'm engaging in the annual exercise of idiocy that has no official name. I call it ranking the teams from 1 to 32 after the offseason, a.k.a. the NFL power rankings. <laughs> so take that with a grain of sand. Uh, he has his rankings out post-draft, post-free agency. And the first thing that comes out, obviously, you scroll down, and you're looking for the Browns, nothing at 10, nothing at 12, 14, no. How about 17 or 18? No. But you got to be around 20. No. Uh, 22, 23. Number 24. And Peter King in a full show me uh, before I rank you any higher mood uh, when he talks about the Cleveland Browns. Um, the, at the end of it, I, I have Cleveland down in the nether region because I need to see Baker Mayfield be a consistent player. Are you surprised at number 24 that the Browns are ranked there, especially with some of the teams in front of them, a.k.a. the Chargers, uh, Denver, Miami, 
Chicago, Arizona, any of those? I, I'm I was a little surprised by that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with this ranking. Uh, I would not even – I would definitely leapfrog the Browns over the Chargers who are right in front of, the, right in front of them and, and a handful of other teams. I, I, I just disagree. I, I think that, though, in saying that, I can understand his, if that's his reasoning – then that is a ranking that could potentially make sense because I think a lot of us are understandably assuming that Baker Mayfield will be much better next year because of these moves and because of the support system and because of all that, because we've seen him perform at this level. I think he's making the assumption that you have to see it before you can assume it. And I think when you make the assumption that Baker Mayfield's going to be at a, at a higher level, then I think that the Browns are right uh, probably about you know, eight to 10 spots higher in most rankings based on what you've seen so far. And I, I think, so I understand the reasoning. I just don't agree with it. Yeah. And I'm fine. I don't think it needs to be a huge jump. I'm not saying they have to be one of the top 15 teams. I, I think they should be, but I understand coming off of the year that they had that people are gun shy to put them in the top 15, but uh, certainly in the top 20, uh, yeah. I, I, w- I would expect the Browns to be, and I just there, – there's a lot of love outside of the love for Pittsburgh, which I'm a little bit confused by because we really don't know what Big Ben is going to be or what that arm is going to look like uh, here in 2020. <laughs> I, I'm more – I'm maybe more confused about Denver's ranking and, and why everybody is on the love train for the Denver Broncos here in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think the that ranking and honestly, the Dolphins one is the one that puzzles me a lot at 19 because I don't know if if that's what the Dolphins want. Like, I mean, is, it, yeah. is that the plan? I mean, I felt like a lot of their draft picks were decisions that weren't meant for 2020. I mean, you drafted Tua Tagovailoa, you draft uh, a young offensive lineman. I mean, you, you're you're drafting guys that are pieces that have a lot of talent, but not necessarily guys that are going to be making you better in 2020. So I, that's, those are the ones I'm a little bit puzzled with, but especially the, the teams like the Chargers and Dolphins and Broncos that have, have similar, if not more uncertain questions at quarterback. That, that's where, I'll, that's where I'll, uh, I'll nitpick his, his rankings there. The other recommendation I would put for Browns fans is to keep track of Chris Sims on Twitter NBC Sports Pro Football Talk in the morning with Mike Florio uh, does a really nice job, and he's in underway in his top 40 quarterbacks of 2020. And uh, something that I know that was discussed on Cleveland Browns Daily on Monday, but you know he he has our backup quarterback at number 32, and he has him ahead of a number of quarterbacks from around the NFL. Uh, including Dwayne Haskins, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, he's got Nick Foles just one spot ahead. I mean, this, I, I don't think it can be stated enough how important in this day and age it is to have a quality backup quarterback, a quarterback that knows the system you're running, and a guy that is a veteran and a leader. And, and the, the Browns have that. And especially, we have no idea what this – COVID-19 situation is going to be. God forbid someone comes down with it and the starter's got to go into quarantine for two weeks and you need a, and you need a quarterback. The Browns have one. Yeah, and I, it, 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 it's a signing that almost a lot of us have stopped talking about since the day it happened just because there were so many other moves. And 
No, I, I think that as Baker mentioned last week, I think I think Case is going to be good for that room, good for him, and and helping with any any asset you can have to help expedite this install during these unique circumstances. I think is going to be huge, and I, I think it's good to not only have a guy like Case who knows the system, but he had his bet, most success in that system by far in his in his career and. So I think that it'll be, we'll see over the next couple of months just how valuable uh, he could be in this room and, and really helping Baker along. Yeah, I, I, again, Case Keenum, we talk about a lot of the free agents and the draft acquisitions. None might be bigger this year than Case Keenum in a Cleveland Browns uniform. And that's not to say that he's going to play. He may never even see the field. And Frankly, I think that's kind of the hope from all of us is that he's not seeing okay. the field and that Baker may feel, unless it's in a blowout situation. Um, but to have his leadership and have his understanding of the game and know what Kevin Stefanski wants cannot be uh, overstated enough. Uh, in terms of the rest of those power rankings, uh, number one, obviously, was Kansas City. Number two was Baltimore. Three was New Orleans, four the 49ers, five Tampa Bay. Thoughts on that one there, Mr. Buccaneer? Uh, I mean, my, my opinions about this team have been well documented uh, in this, in this I, airspace. I think it's a little generous. Yeah, uh, and I, I just think it's uh, – I mean, every team there's, – there's a team every offseason, and I think there's understandable uh, excitement about this team. And, and I think uh, to give him credit – the, the names that he's mentioning here in the second paragraph are the reasons they should be excited. And those are the guys on defense. Like those, that's, that's what's going to get them over the hump. If they're going to be really uh, this, this good uh, in 2020, just because I, I think that Tom Brady makes them better. I don't know if he makes them an elite team uh, in the NFC. I don't know what Gronk gives you in 2020 after taking a year off and the year before that, not being all that good uh, anyways. So it's going to be about what that young defense does, which they've added a lot of pieces. They brought back Shaq Barrett. I mean, there, there's, there, there's a lot to like, but that, that level of their team has to take a leap uh, because it, it, that's, that's how most of the great teams that Tom Brady led in New England did it. They did it with defense, offense, and special teams. And uh, for Tampa and Tampa Bay is in a tough division. Uh, I just, uh, I think five is, is generous. I, I just, I, I need like, like, Peter King with Baker Mayfield. I need to see it uh, before I can can truly believe it. Yep. I think the two teams in the top 10 that left me scratching my head a little bit. And I guess I, it's just me. I think Tennessee got hot at the right time last year. Yeah. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I don't know if they're a top 10 team. They came in at number seven. And the Raiders at number eight, I'm, I'm really scratching my head because – I, I'm not sure what to think of the Raiders right now, one way or the other. I mean, I, I could be totally wrong on them, but I just – I don't know what to make of them, but I certainly don't think they're better than than Dallas. I don't know if they're better than Minnesota or Green Bay or even Buffalo, who he has 13th, which I was really kind of scratching my head at. Yeah, I just – I mean, for them, it's a combination of I don't know what they've got on defense that makes me excited in, in with the Raiders, and they've got – they still got the same quarterback situation that they don't seem too thrilled with. And I, I just don't know if it's, they're also in a really tough division that I think is going to make, make life difficult on them as well. I, I would, I would put the, the Raiders probably in the same grouping as I would the Browns at, at this point where 
hoping to, to crack into the, the playoff group this year, and I'm not ready to enter a season just putting you in the top eight. I just can't do that right now. No, no, I agree with that. So get, take a look at it, Football Morning in America on profootballtalk.com. Uh, check that out. Peter King's post-draft and free agency power rankings are out. And again, the Browns, yeah, they need to show people, especially the national media, after last year's 6-10 and 10 season. Uh, final, final takeaways here. Uh, Todd McShay from ESPN with his way-too-early top 32 prospects for 2021. This is a draft podcast. We've obviously branched out a little bit in the, in the uh, days and months since the draft. Uh, but the, the big takeaways kind of broke things down in terms of the numbers. And, yeah, there's a couple safe, – two safeties. There's a tight end. There's a couple running backs. But the numbers really come uh, on the offensive side of the football, three quarterbacks, eight wide receivers again coming off of a big year, four offensive tackles. Uh, and on the defensive side, four corners, four linebackers, four defensive tackles. So pretty balanced on the defensive side of things, but eight wide receivers, a, a lot of wideouts yet again. Pretty surprising in back-to-back years that you would have those kinds of numbers. Yeah, I want to see the – I want to know what the deep dive story and the reasoning is for that. Like, is it something teams or kids are doing with seven-on-sevens? Is it something about the NFL that's finally adjusting – uh, and figuring out that that they need more guys at this position, I, I think that's that. It's I think this past year was historic, and it would be nuts to have it happen again. And you wonder, will the demand at the wide receiver position diminish, or will this will there still be the same kind of thirst for for more players at that position as there there was last year? So we'll we'll just have to see, and and we'll I'm sure these things change. I mean, there's been some comical uh, early draft predictions that ultimately have a few guys that make it into the second or third round. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but I, I, that, this is how we test the true draft gurus. If they nail these guys now, then, then, then they're, they're pretty good at what they do. Yeah. It, it was interesting. The three quarterbacks, Ohio state, obviously with fields Clemson and their star quarterback, and then a QB from North Dakota state. <laughs> going in the top five so or ranked as one of the top five players not written not going but one of the top five so that was interesting um I, again a lot of wide receivers uh there was a nice little run on defensive players through the middle middle of his rankings uh but a lot of things to look at but starting to take a little bit of a nod and it's good to see that stuff especially because we don't really know what's going to happen with college football here in 2020, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, anything really could happen. I mean, it's it, it's the NFL, we've got a pretty good feeling with what they're going to do. I mean, I think that you can do this without fans, with small amount of fans. But college football, there's a lot of people and a lot of different organizations that have to make these decisions. The NFL is one kind of overall governing body and can make everyone kind of fall in line pretty quickly. But I've liked the momentum of the past month, and I think I think we're heading in a good direction with both college football and the NFL. Yeah. All right. That's a look at uh, what's been happening around the NFL and college football through uh, since we last talked to you about four or five days ago. This is episode number 28. We hope you and your family and your loved ones are staying safe during this time. Uh, again, I would just urge people, you know, restraint. You know, it's it's fine to protest. It's totally fine. It isn't fine to burn and loot. 
the the places uh, that we all love to visit and that that are a big part of all of our lives and places that we need, uh, you know, w would urge you to protest. You have every right to. And, and you know, w again, our thoughts and our prayers are with all the people that are involved in this. You know, uh, it, it has been tough, and, and things hopefully will start to get better. But a lot of conversation has to happen between now and then. Coming up on Thursday's podcast, we start to get to know the guys that are in the front office. There's a lot of new faces, and we'll start to break those down. Uh, Glenn Cook, he's a regular. He's been around for a little bit with this football team, but a new promotion. He's now the vice president of player personnel, and he will join us on Thursday's best podcast available. We're excited. He's one of the better guys that you'll ever get a chance to meet and to talk to. A really, really good guy who knows his stuff. And Andrew Barry knows that he's got a great eye for talent. And that's why the promotion, the vice president of player personnel. Looking forward to having him on Thursday's podcast. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. You can also check us out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble and Jeff McDaniel, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.